You're listening to FileMaker Off the Record. Hey, this is Thomas Marqua. And Teresa Heistand. And this is episode six of FileMaker Off the Record. So thanks for joining us. <laughs> yes. And happy birthday, Teresa. Oh, it's an early birthday. For when this posts, it might be a belated birthday. Right. <laughs> and then we can also say congratulations to Thomas for his uh, getting his certifications for 16 and 17. Thanks. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> so we'll go forward from here. Yes. One of the things that I wanted to mention, I recently installed Server 17 for one of my clients. Whenever I went to install, I got an error. Uh, FileMaker Server 17 setup. You cannot install or uninstall FileMaker Server 17 on this version of Windows. Please refer to the system requirements and the installation instructions for more information. This was a virtual machine, or uh, they had set it up with Windows. Because it was Windows Server 2016. 2016 mm-hmm. with desktop. The desktop experience. Experience. Right. Which is. That, so it fit that requirement. It fit that requirement. For the operating system. So I thought maybe there was something weird with how it was installed on the VM and whatever. I went through a few things. And then I did think finally to, uh, I was working with the client. And I said, uh, how much how much RAM is on this machine? He said 6 gig. I'm like, oh, they require 8 gig. However, I would expect the error message would be something other than the operating system. Right. But... That was it. Right. It, rather it, rather than it, it's saying, you know, hardware, you know. Hardware requirements not are not met. met or... Maybe because it was a virtual machine. I wonder if the error would be different. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't I mean, be. How does the software... Because software I don't think the... Ins- difference? I don't think the installer knows the difference between a virtual machine and a real machine. But that was particular. Just a little that's bit frustrating. Annoying, that's an annoying type of error. I'm surprised... Does the installer not know what the issue is? I think it does. I think the installer knows exactly what the issue is that kicked it out. So why not throw that into the dialog box? Yeah. (laughs) Specificity helps. Yeah, I always hated it when uh, when I taught video editing. And uh, with Final Cut Pro in particular, you would go to mix down a video and run into... An issue and the error message would pop up. General error, 500. And you'd say, oh, great. That could be usually only a handful of things. But you'd think that they could be a little more specific. I don't think that the Apple interface guidelines are would be you know, particularly thrilled with an error message like that. But they, they could, they could, it could certainly be worse. Installation failure. Period. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I'd talk about a little bit things within FileMaker that maybe are gotchas to some mm-hmm. people. One thing that's kind of more common in other languages is numbering starting with zeros. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're working with JSON and the mm-hmm. JSON functions. Because when you're saying get elements, so the elements are listed, the name value pairs are presented in a particular order when the JSON functions, when you're saying get element and you're naming things, you can put in a number to pull which name value pair you want to receive. And so you need to pay attention that that is a zero-based function. So if you want the second name value pair of that particular, the value of the named 
element that you were asking for. If you want the second one, you have to ask for value one. And that is definitely a gotcha. Almost everything else in FileMaker is a, a one-based function. The, there's one of the most obvious exceptions to that rule is the choose function. When you're using choose, that starts zero, one, mm -hmm. two, and makes the selection that way. Mm -hmm. There's a couple other areas that do still start with zero, like get window mode. There's four window modes, uh, browse, find, preview, layout. And browse is zero, not one. So whenever you're looking for your modes, that does start with zero. So I think it's kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Get window style is the same thing. Zero is a document window, one is a floating window, two is dialogue, and three is now card. So there are a few functions that do start with the zero. And then the other ones are all of the gets. This, this isn't really the same, but all the get status functions. The get status are actually the Booleans. So mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't think people get mixed up on that one. Right. It's zero or false. If we had a Boolean as a field type, that these would just return a Boolean rather than a zero or one. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I agree. The, um, the get window mode, get window style, those can be confusing because you can never keep those straight in your head. Yeah. And you say, well, which functions? Oh, and you have to go look them up all the time. Because if everything's numbered zero through four, <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, how do you, how do you keep that little matrix in your head? So another item in FileMaker is case sensitivity. Again, that's something that's not super common. FileMaker is so forgiving. Mm -hmm. Because in some niche. other languages, you have fields that have different case. Those are different fields. Mm -hmm. So that's both a blessing and a curse. Because as FileMaker evolves and starts using more traditional programming standards uh, that other languages use, if it ever does adopt uh, a more case, incorporates more case sensitivity, into its functions or in how you define variables and so that, you know, a double dollar var all caps is different than double dollar var, you know, and lowercase, that is going to be a tough one, especially to go back and kind of retrofit <laughs> <laughs> because of how kind of loosey-goosey we can be now. I know I could be a little cleaner about my scripting if I capitalize a variable uh, in one place, or camel case in another place, especially if I'm working quickly, I'm just trying something out, I can have some variety in my variables. Yes, you can. Yes, I can. We, we try to stick, we have programming standards. We do our best to stick to them. Mm -hmm. and, and that does help. But definitely, whenever because whenever you're using, so the case, the case sensitive things within FileMaker, like executes equals the most obvious. Mm -hmm. You have to keep in mind that the values that get compared, you know, if you're doing any kind of a... Like if you're, if you're matching. Any, any kind um, of a match. Yeah. Right, but, that those values have to be exact. Right. And that they are case sensitive. Right. Uh, so when you're writing the execute SQL statement, the text of that statement, that doesn't have to be case sensitive because FileMaker is taking that and interpreting it. And it's using that and it's engine to go look things up. So now when I write a SQL statement, I think it's cleaner in my head to write the word SELECT in all caps and to write 
you know, so select from where and all of these pieces that are very specific to the execute SQL, how it works. I like to capitalize those so that they stand out, but they don't have to be. Which I think is, yeah, but I think that's very, you know, helps for readability so much. Yes. And it's very common, again, and probably common everywhere, but it's mm-hmm. also very common within the founding community. Yeah, but if you're writing like a join in there, it's so much easier because also when you're doing the join, you can say uh, select from school as S, and I always put a little S because then the S dot those aliases. But the uh, where I where I would use an execute SQL and the case sensitivity really comes into play is in some solutions we will use an execute SQL function to grab the value of the logged in user. So as part of the startup script, we will say, uh, we want to get the, we're using the account management system. So everybody who's logging in, there is an account record that belongs to them. And so if we're setting the, uh, we're getting that account ID because they have an inbox and the messages that they've received or the activities that are assigned to them are assigned to their account ID. So in the startup script, when they log in, we use execute SQL to grab, uh, to use get account name, uh, to find the account that matches. Well, because in FileMaker, it doesn't care how you log in. If my login is Teresa H, I can type it in all caps. I can type it all lowercase. I could type a camel case. FileMaker does not care. FileMaker is going to log me in because the username is not case sensitive. And it's going to hold on to my, uh, in the, in the get account name function, it holds on to the username as it was typed when logging in. So if I typed it in all uppercase and did get account name, it's going to return to me all uppercase. Execute SQL, uh, and also the account, uh, the account name in the accounts table. That's, that's how you entered it when you created the account in the first place. So that could be all lowercase, that could be camel case, that could be uppercase. When execute SQL, if you write a statement that says select ID from account where username equals question mark, and then the value that you're passing it is get account name. If the get account name was typed in in all caps, but in the accounts table, it's stored lowercase, it's not going to match. It's not going to find it. So what we do is we will wrap an upper command uh, or function around both the, uh, so our select statement would be select ID from account where username equals upper or upper username, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Select ID from account where upper parentheses username equals question mark and then we put an upper around the get account name. So that takes away the case sensitivity of that function. And that works and that works well. That's yes. that's three of the other case sensitive functions, upper, lower, and proper mm-hmm. are obviously case case dependent. Case yeah. But we use those sometimes if you're using the filter function, filters case sensitive, substitute and exact. exact. Exact is probably the most obvious. Yeah, substitute, that's the other one that's in there that I think is a little bit tricky because substitute, 
Especially and when you're doing multiple substitutions. If you're doing multiple substitutions, uh, because doesn't it substitute as it goes? It does. Right? That if you have in a statement that you're replacing all the A's with B's, and then you're replacing all the B's with C's, and you're replacing all the C's with D's, it doesn't go and stop. It does all the substitutions for one, and then does all the substitutions right. for the next uh, with that same string. Again, the one thing that I find interesting also is that filter is case-sensitive. Mm -hmm. Filter values is not case-sensitive. Hmm. So that's another one that could... It's probably good to know. Yes. <laughs> probably comes up occasionally. Another thing when I was studying for the certification mm -hmm. exams, which we've done in the past, that when you study, you read a lot of material and you discover something that, mm -hmm. that you never knew. And it might be something that everyone else already knew this. Right. Yeah. In the script workspace, if you right-click on the tab, there's a drop-down menu, and one of the options is check for problems. Oh, okay. And that, what does that do? That then highlights the lines that have issues, like a missing field or oh, okay. missing a missing reference of some sort. Highlights them instantly. So then you can scroll through. So if you're using a plugin like the Draco Benchins Developer Assistant, mm -hmm. that has that has a function like that already in there. And the advantage to that one is you can actually walk through all of your scripts. Is, so is that something that you would say check for problems? It, it every, actually do there's you tell an, it everywhere or tell it the script you're looking at or does it? You can do it either way. So you can oh. search through if you have a script open, you can put the cursor in that script and it'll just search that script. Mm -hmm. If you select the list. Of script names, it'll go through every script and every every script line. And how does it display any errors? If so that if just stops as it goes. Okay, so it's almost like a find replace style yeah, thing, where you yeah. just go to the next one. Right. So it, it'll okay. bring one up, and you can deal with it, and then just hit continue, move on to the next one, and the next one. Okay. That's neat. But it's nice that this is also built into FileMaker. Mm -hmm. So I have a tip, too. I was talking to another developer, and they developer who's been doing this for quite a while, but they were unaware that this was a possibility. Changing the value of a global field when the file's on the server. Again, I, I was paying attention to this whenever I was studying uh, in certification, and the how do you change the value in a global? You take the file off the server, open it up in a Open the local file up as a local, as a local file mm -hmm. in a client. Change the value, close the file, put it back up on the server, and open it up. And the global field will maintain that will be the new value for every new user when they open the file first. The global field will have whatever that value was last set when it was a standalone file. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to do it that way. You can actually change the value of a global field for everyone for for anyone new using the file. Okay. Without taking it off the server first. How do you do that? To change the value stored in a global field on a server. You take your global field, you go and change the field to a calculated field using global storage. Okay. Set the calculation to whatever you want the value to actually be. Okay. Close the file on your local copy. It doesn't have to close on the server. Okay. Just close it where you're using it and then reopen it. Then change the field back to a text, global, number, glo whatever mm -hmm. type of field it was. 
whenever you change it back, it's going to retain that value of the calculated, of the calculation that you had in there before. Oh, okay. There's a tip that I think you didn't know. Yeah, and I think I didn't know that because I, I can't remember a time that I ever created a global field and put a value in it locally and didn't wipe. We, de we do so much development on the server, you know, uh, like we create global fields and we aren't, we don't necessarily use them before they're hosted. We generally will run like a startup script that will go and set the globals to whatever they're supposed to be. Yeah, but, but I'm even talking that. about when you create, create your table, add your global fields, I typically have them wiped out before they get, but maybe I don't. <laughs> they have values in them, and I just because of our startup script that wipes out any very you know any uh, any uh, global dialogue fields before it gets moving. So yeah, that has come in useful. Once we got conditional formatting, that gave us the ability to conditionally format a button so that it was not highlighted before. Like you could set up rules for once data is put into all the required fields, then have the button appear to be active, mm -hmm. which was nice. The downside was that button was always clickable, right? even though it looked like it wasn't. And you could put conditions in your scripting for what parameters get passed to mm -hmm. have the button not do anything. Mm -hmm. But the button would still was, was still clickable, so you either had to conditionally format around the highlights mm -hmm. or, well, and decide whether or not you want the cursor to change mm -hmm. to a hand yeah, rather yeah. than an arrow. So there were some things that didn't behave exactly the way that it would be that I that I think would be expected by a by a user. Whenever you're on the web and there's a button that's not clickable, it doesn't click. It doesn't right. click, it doesn't highlight, it doesn't the mouse doesn't change, nothing. It, mm -hmm. because it's not there yet. So and there of course were ways to jump around that, but the nice thing the thing that I like about button bars is you know, you don't have to worry about the size and all this. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to make identical button bars, button bar buttons. Mm -hmm. So you have one that's the button that's active, and you have one that's the button that's inactive that has no script assigned to it, no action assigned to it. Mm -hmm. So it won't do anything at all. No, yeah. And you just use your hide object when functionality to have, you know, whichever one show. Based on the states. Based yeah. on, yeah. yeah and I, I, that's a, that's a, a small tip, probably, for hopefully for somebody. Right. That, that's that's well, a useful while you tip. were talking about that, I was thinking, well, yeah. How did we get around that back in the day before button bars and hide object when I think didn't we used to do tabs because we would put a second tab and hide have it so basically so it acted more like a slide than a tab because we would have a zero width to the tab header and so that would disappear yeah but then that broke in like 12 because or 13 one of those when we when we when you converted the file all of your tabs would have drop shadows like is the new theming yeah got in the way i mean that's that's an entire episode of as to what did we used to have to do right just to, to make things work when i'm Talking to other developers, that's, you know, yeah. the conversation very often goes to that if, right. <laughs> if they've been at it for a while. There's a rabbit hole there. Yes, and, and there's a lot of appreciation as to the leaps and bounds that FileMaker's made with its interface 
and the theming and how they deal with objects on well, the screen. One of my favorite functions in the past several versions is hide object when. Oh, yeah, I that's, just, great. that's just for, for all the trouble we went to starting way back in FileMaker, I want to say six. The first time I saw John Mark Osborne show the, I don't even remember what we used to call it, disappearing portal trick or invisible portal trick, something like that. Mm -hmm. Before my time. <laughs> that was a conference, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that was remarkable, you know, and it worked exactly the way. Whenever the button wasn't there, there was no button there. And that was amazing to a lot of us. And yeah. I believe at that time we didn't even have, t we didn't have tabs. We were still faking tabs. Yeah, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. Nah. So, but that's all I wanted to talk about tonight. Excellent. So I hope you have a good birthday coming up. Yeah, and I hope you have a lovely trip to Dallas and enjoy the developers conference. I'm sure I will. Thanks for listening again. Yeah, thank you. See you next time.